I love how God works. What is so neat is that Natalie and I knew we were going to do this message together, um, and we prayed a lot, and we did talk a little bit about what we were going to share, but we really didn't get into the the nitty-gritty of all the things that we were going to share. So it was so neat this morning as I got to hear her give her message for the first time, um, just to see the ways in which the Lord had put similar things on our hearts, and some of the phrases even that she said were specific phrases that I had written down. So cool how God works. I want to start by just sharing a few fun quotes with you. Um, I work a, a couple days a week at a preschool, and this week we were interviewing our students, asking them some, you know, what are some sweet things you can say about your mom? What are some fun things that we can write down to encourage them with? And one student said, I love my mom more than trash. Another student said, my mom is really good at yelling. (laughs) And another kid said, my mom is really good at cooking (laughs) PB&J. My son said one of these, but I'm not going to tell you which one he said. (laughs) So I may get a little emotional with you this morning. Um, But I'm not going to apologize for that. I think, Chris, that's a great example of bringing a healthy level of emotion to the stage. And God's created us for that. I would love to begin by echoing what Natalie shared today. In Genesis 1.27, we see in the beginning that God says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God made both genders to more fully express his divine characteristics than just one could on their own. Sometimes I think we're tempted to think of women as being other or an afterthought or lesser in significance. But when we really look at the Old Testament and the New Testament and the Bible, that is not the case at all. And God's view of women is so high. When God made Adam and Eve, he first made Adam. And then he says, I will make a helper suitable for Adam. Now, this word helper, sometimes in our culture, has been totally misconstrued. And we see it through a cultural grid. We see it with a negative connotation. And it's not the way that God intended it. This word helper can be defined as comforter, as advocate, as intercessor. Friends, those words are not shameful. Those words are not lowly or um, embarrassing to wear. Those are words of great strength and humility. Interestingly enough, Christ also used the word helper to talk about the Holy Spirit that he would send after he ascended. He says to you, do not be dis-, he says to his followers, do not be discouraged. I will send you a helper who will be a comforter, who will be an advocate, who will be an intercessor, and that is the Holy Spirit. Women, that's amazing. How beautiful that God gave us the parallel that we get to be called a helper like he identifies the Holy Spirit. That's huge. The Bible tells us that God is a God who defends the helpless. 
He's a God who has a nurturing heart. He cares for us deeply. He grows life with intentionality. He welcomes children. He has compassion on us and patience in our weakness. He is, he is a God whose heart breaks when we are hurting. He creates beauty from nothing. He sacrificed his son for us. He is a God who encourages us with truth when we are filled with self-doubt. This is just the tip of the iceberg. I could go on and on. But friends, couldn't I use this list to describe an excellent woman and an excellent mother as well? This is not because God looks like us, but because, but because God made us to look like him. Not only did he give women the specific biology to grow and bear life and nurture an infant, but also the innate nature, like Natalie was speaking about, to tend to and nurture and bond with a child. I've come to know and understand much more deeply over the last couple months, as Chris has asked me to share with you, that this day intersects with our lives women specifically, in a really wide spectrum of emotions. So it may be considered just a hallmark holiday and it's just another day that'll pass, right? I want us to take a a deeper look at where the root of that pain and that disappointment comes from. So let's look in Genesis again at Genesis 3, 16. And the context here is that Adam and Eve are in the garden and they have sinned. And God is, comes to speak to them and to tell them what is the consequence of their sin. What is the curse that they will now experience and all of their descendants will experience. And he says in Genesis 3.16, he says, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth, speaking to Eve. In pain, you will bring forth children. Now, we could be tempted to think, uh, well, good thing I'm born today because there's epidurals, and so this really doesn't apply to me, right? But the truth of the matter is that, yes, God is surely speaking to the physical pain that now accompanies childbirth, that we've either experienced personally or we've heard of, right? The reality is is that, that what was once a primarily joy-filled role and design is now a that is filled or is wrought with pain and with brokenness. We see here another really interesting parallel that I saw as I was studying this passage, that after sin entered the world, Christ's body would have to be broken in order for us to know life, to be born again, right? After the fall, the process of childbirth and child rearing comes at great expense to the mother, I'm going to share some thoughts with you over the past couple of months that some of you have shared with me, both in this church and outside of this church. Um, Just sitting on the couch, asking women, how does this day intersect with you? And men, you might find it interesting that far more women, this was eye-opening for me too, far more women had some negative associations with this day than positive ones. 
So let me read some of these and share them with you. Mother's Day is a reminder of the lifelong lesson of motherhood teaching me unconditional love and true sacrifice. Mother's Day reminds me that as I age as a single woman, that my dream of motherhood may never be fulfilled. This day is an awful reminder of all the things my mother is not. I don't know if I will ever be able to have children, and it has been a lifelong dream of mine. It breaks my heart. As you can imagine, this day is painful. Now I have grandchildren, and I don't want gifts on this day. What I really want are intangible things, like my children making that honor the way I raised them and my grandchildren getting along. Mother's Day is a day of unmet expectations and guilt, often feeling bad that I didn't figure out more meaningful gifts for my own mom, but then also having a desire to be pampered. This is my one day off a year, and it better be good. (laughs) This is not one of my favorite holidays. I miss my mother so much. She was absolutely wonderful. It brings to mind that she's no longer here. In the beginning, I would get so confused because my Mother's Day didn't look right, like it did on the commercials. But as the years have gone on, I smile and I think how blessed I am to have the privilege of raising these kids. This year, the tension in my relationship with my mom has weighed on me, and I've realized that I need to shift from from remaining disappointed and instead to pray for a heart to see her like the Lord does and enter into her world. This is the final quote I'm going to share with you, and I think it does a great job of kind of showing the, that mixture and that bittersweet um, pain and joy together. Because I am a single mom and not celebrated daily by a spouse, it is a big deal, day for me. Being a mother is the most bittersweet thing I have ever experienced. That something could hurt so bad, yet be so gratifying, is mind-blowing to me. Friends, let's look for a a moment at a woman for whom Mother's Day would have intersected in a really painful way, in a way that was not how she would have necessarily chosen. I'm going to take us to Genesis 16. And for sake of time, we don't have to, we we can't do an in-depth study of this passage Uh, I would encourage you later this week to spend some time to read it. Um, But in Genesis 16, we go to Abram and Sarai. We're in the Old Testament, and this is so this is before the birth of Christ. And God has told Abram that his descendants will outnumber the stars and that he will have a son. The problem is that Abram is really, really old. And his wife, Sarai, is way past childbearing age. So it seems, like we were just talking about in worship, it seems impossible, right? So Sarai, the wife, remember we just talked about Abram, or I'm sorry, we talked about God giving women as a helper, right? So Sarai is Abram's helper, right? And she allows what I believe here is the sin of control and a desire to get ahead of God to take matters into her own hands and to begin to meddle. And she begins to say, I think I can figure out how to make this happen because this is too impossible. And what she does is she says, 
I have this Egyptian maid, I'm paraphrasing here, I have this Egyptian maid named Hagar. And maybe God intends to fulfill his promise through Hagar. That's it. So he arranges for his hus- her husband, Abram, to have an encounter with the maid. And sure enough, she conceives. And what follows is really ugly. Hagar, the maid who is now with child, against her will, she is mad. She hates Sarai. And Sarai treats her very harshly. Hagar flees and runs into the wilderness and is all alone. And in her very broken and her very hopeless state, it's there that God, the angel of the Lord, encounters her there and he meets her there. In Genesis 16.10, he says to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants. So that they will be too many to count. Guys, I want to just pause here and look at the mercy that is present here. Just a few chapters before in Genesis, we saw that God was speaking to Eve saying, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. While that is still true and there will still be great pain in the life of it's also true that there will be redemption. He says, I will greatly multiply your descendants. She will be having essentially a son that will be seen as fatherless. And if you read this story out, God has intended for Abram and Sarai to have another son named Isaac. But God still takes care of Hagar and her son Ishmael. He does not abandon them. In verse 13... Sarai, I'm sorry, Hagar is there with the angel of the Lord. And it says she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, El Roy, the God who sees. You are the God who sees me. Here's a woman who was essentially a slave. She had very little rights of her own. This is probably not how she imagined it would be or how she wanted it to be. Why do I share this story with you? Friends, this has huge implications for us today. If our God is unchanging, then he is still El Roy, the God who sees today. If you are a woman who has recently experienced the pain of a miscarriage, and maybe it was a very silent loss, God sees you. It doesn't escape his sight. If you are a woman whose world is busy but full, and you find yourself overwhelmed by the demands of little kids, but you also really love it, God sees you and he's in the midst of it with you. If you are a woman who longs to be a mother, but you have not seen that dream fulfilled and you don't know if you ever will, God sees you. If you are a woman who has grown children and maybe even grandchildren, but your heart still breaks, your hands are full and you're thankful, but your heart breaks because there's still some decisions that some of your grown children are making that are not what you want for them or the way that you raise them. 
God still says, I see you. And the crazy thing is, is that I just mentioned a few scenarios, and maybe none of those intersected with you personally. But that's okay, because this is not about me. This is about God seeing you and seeing right where you are today. I want to end by sharing some names with you. And these names probably won't mean a lot to you, but they mean a great deal to me. Julie. That's my mom. To say that she has loved me well my entire life and that she's taught me how to be a godly woman, that would be an understatement. Margaret. This is a woman who married later in life and has never had her own children. But as I was growing up, and she was about 15 years older than me, she loved on me well and she she invested into me in some of the most formative stages of my life. Allison, this is a woman who had two little children, and when I was in high school, and I wasn't very keen to listen to that truth that my mom was speaking into my life, she spent time with me. She poured into me. She spoke truth to me. Kyla, this is a woman who, when I was living overseas, I was super far from my family, from my mom, and I had a child overseas. She was a, a woman who invested into me, who mentored me, who took me under her wing. Melissa, this is a friend who's here with us today. She was there the day that my daughter was born. She does not have her own children. But she's a household name in our home. My kids love her and they know her. And she cares deeply for them. God's design is always, always intentional. He is still today the God who sees. He's still Elroy. And I want to encourage you today. I don't want to minimize the pain of anyone in this room, and I don't want to steal from the joy that any of you may feel today. But I want to encourage you that God may be using the maternal heart that he has entrusted to you for eternal work that is so far different than what you expected, what you even see, or what you might have chosen for your life to look like. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share this morning. Thank you for your word, your truth, God, that is a solid foundation. I thank you that when we are in doubt, that we can come to you, Father, and that you see us entirely. You know us deeply. You rejoice with us. 
you weep with us. God, I want to pray that this morning would be a time where we would feel and see and believe that we are known by you, Lord. We are fully seen by you and fully loved by you. And that is an unbelievable gift. We will never understand how amazing that is. God, we thank you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.